Alrighty, as Thomas prayed there, um, the idea of this time where we're reading extended, extended uh, sections of the book of Acts is for us to soak in God's word written to us. Um, it's pretty crazy. We come here every Sunday and, um, and we, we take it for granted a lot. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to wrap your mind around exactly how amazing it is. Um, and so, yeah, we don't even quite understand everything about who God is. And I think I just want us to take a second to, um, to just re-remember. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to be quiet for 30 seconds. And I just want you to think about um, who God is and how amazing it is that he speaks to us just before we start reading his word. Chapter 6, 7, and 8. I'm reading from the NIV, and every now and then you'll notice I'm slipping in some little explanations of things that um, may not be immediately obvious. There's only a handful of them. And one thing I think I'd like you to particularly think about as we read through this section um, are the characters. There's a, a lot of stories in Acts, and um, there's a lot of different personalities. A lot of different people who follow God, who reject God, and um, yeah, you'll, you'll notice the characters here. And I just want you to, as as with uh, as Sean outlined in the first couple of uh, introductions to this series, the idea is that we're using the Book of Acts as a mirror. This is God's word written to us, and it applies to us, and we want to see ourselves reflected in this. So in these characters, I'd like you to think about whether you are, whether you identify with the motives of some of these characters, or whether you couldn't identify any less with the motives of these characters and, and reflect on those things. Alright, so let's begin. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, those are Jews that adopted Greek language and culture, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, 
who began to argue with Stephen. So we don't actually know who these people were, the synagogue of the freedmen, but they were opposed to something Stephen was teaching, and so they were getting angry and arguing with him. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin were the ruling council over the Jews, but subject to Roman law. There was a Sanhedrin of 23 members in different cities and a great Sanhedrin of 72 members in Jerusalem, kind of like a Supreme Court. They produced false witnesses who testified this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now this is an interesting point. Now throughout the Bible and in the New Testament, angels are said to be bright and shining messengers of God, speaking on God's behalf. And Moses' face, you might remember, shone when he had been with God and when he was speaking to the Israelites on God's behalf. And so Stephen here, we're about to have a big, long speech from Stephen, and Stephen is speaking on God's behalf. Then the high priest asks Stephen, are these charges true? To this he replied, brothers and fathers, who cares about these people, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would, pro would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way. For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob and Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our ancestors 
died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him in and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you're brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a, as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, 40 years, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come and I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to obey him. They rejected him and in their hearts turned back turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't even know what's happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon and stars. This agrees with what was written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings? Forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel, you have taken up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your god Rephah, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. 
Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favour and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. That's a Jewish way of saying they're unable to have a relationship with God. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. Now when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. To those who, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery, not me, in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. What a nickname, great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, 
they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to you. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, you know the one that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And you notice verse 37 is missing here. Uh, you might remember Paul's sermon a few weeks ago on Bible versions and ancient texts. Uh, this is verse 37 that was numbered when they added in the numbers. Uh, they turned out that they want to get that one in there. It doesn't seem like it's original. So, verse 38. The eunuch gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared appeared <laughs> at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And that's the end of chapter 8. So some of the characters in these passages of the Sanhedrin are covering their ears, covering their ears, yelling. Like kids, you know, la 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 la. They weren't like they were much more angry than when a kid does that. But <laughs> they were purposely drowning out the truth 
They were taking great pains to avoid coming face to face with their state before God. Stephen, he, he was speaking the truth. He spoke a lot of truth in that, in that sermon. And these people are getting more and more angry. And you can see that. And he knows what they did to Jesus. And so he keeps speaking on God's behalf, no matter what. Saul, uh, at this point, he's rejecting Jesus, but he's deeply religious. He's protecting the Jewish faith. He's doing a lot of things that he thinks are pleasing to God, but he is also blocking out the truth about Jesus. Simon the sorcerer, he used religion as a way to get power over other people. He wanted to be like, to be powerful, to be seen, and thought money was the, the, the all-encompassing uh, currency of the universe. The eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch, searching for truth and asking questions, desperate to learn. He doesn't know this guy from a bar of soap, but um, if he speaks God's words, then I'm going to listen. Philip, preaching the gospel wherever he went. He got shuffled all over the place. He had to flee Jerusalem because of persecution, and he's preaching there. And then God makes him appear in some place. We don't know whether Philip had ever even been there before. People didn't travel very far back then. God just pops him up in a city somewhere and he starts, okay, sure, I'll talk to people about Jesus. So there are a few of the characters I want you to reflect on. Um, it's, uh, it, it's probably a good idea to also, at some point through this series, uh, do some recapping in your own time. Um, we're going to get further into Acts and to, to keep your mind in the space, it might be a really good idea for you to just spend half an hour read from the start of Acts and keep up with the timeline. But that's, that's all I have to say now. And I'd just like us to, to pray. Father God, you are amazing. You are powerful and you hold all truth in your hand. You are the author of our lives the author of this universe. You created it from nothing. And we want to submit to you as the source of all truth and believe what you say and believe that we we have a problem. We reject you and we sin against you and we're separated from you. And as we contemplate the seriousness of that, we are so able to be so grateful for what Jesus has done. Uh, thank you for sending him to die for us, to pay for our sins, that, um, that even a whole nation given special laws and a special relationship with you wasn't able to keep that standard, but Jesus was, and you've made that available to us. We're very grateful. As we reflect on all the different ways that the human heart can react to you. Uh, we pray that the Holy Spirit will be working in our lives, in the lives of our friends and our family, that your, your power will be transforming them and, and showing them that, that the belief in Jesus, the trusting Jesus is the only way that we can have peace with you. 
pray for any of us that have um, bad attitudes, apathy, or who are using your church, your body here, this this gathering as a means for selfish gain. That you would um, break down that sin. That you would change, change hearts. Thank you for the power that your Holy Spirit has to change things that we can't even understand, let alone think about planning change. Father, we, we are just in awe of your might and your power. We're in awe of the way that you love us, even though we don't deserve it. We want to worship you and praise you together as people who have been called to glorify your Son, Jesus. Thank you for your word as well. pray all these things in Jesus' name.